It's good again to see you guys. If you have your Bibles, open those to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're continuing in a series talking about the Holy Spirit. The first week we talked about the Holy Spirit and His identity. Who is the Holy Spirit? Last week, if you missed it, we talked about the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. What is the relationship between the Holy Spirit and Scripture? And this week, we're getting to what we've all been waiting for, the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. Because everybody likes to think like Oprah. You get this, and you get this, and you get this, and everybody gets this. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11 is where we will be. Uh, just to, to let you know my in- introduction into anything like this. I grew up in a Baptist church, uh, and... Uh, Baptist churches historically typically would skirt around a conversation about the spiritual gifts missing really uh, as much as we claim to be people of the word we would miss certain aspects of the word which is ironic. I was in college and a group of my friends started to hang out with a small group of collegiate students who were charismatic. Charismatic. Uh, and as we're hanging out with them, I had lots of, of background and baggage in relationship to spiritual things. And, and they had lots of background and, and baggage in relationship to, um, to whatever Baptists do. Uh, so when these two groups got together, I just started to ask lots of questions. Because, you know, when you're in college, you know everything, but you still need to ask questions. And while I was spending time with them, I was in the car one day with some of these girls and as we're interacting with one another I said so tell me about the spiritual gifts but you know no one ever wants to talk about spiritual gifts of giving we're wanting to talk about things like miracles and speaking in tongues and I said tell me how you get to healing tell me how you get to speaking in tongues and one girl said to me Chad uh, here's how I knew that I could speak in tongues and I said okay cool she said I was at the mall one day and as I was walking around the mall, one of the kiosks in the middle, uh, they had a watch that was so beautiful that when I looked at it, I could not express in words how beautiful the watch was without speaking in tongues. And I looked at her dead in the eye and said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't know what that has to do with it. Not because there's, when we look at speaking in tongues, that, that it is a dumb concept. But because the idea of the spiritual gifts has one purpose. And that is to point us to the person of Jesus. Because these gifts are given to us by the Holy Spirit. So that we can live lives that point to Jesus. And if you're collapsing on a Gucci watch or a guest watch. Or whatever watch this person was looking at. You're more than likely missing Jesus. Our goal is to get to Jesus. Now, if you are here at Grace Bible Church, I want you to know, though you may not realize it, our name could be um, Charismatic Bible Church because the word grace and charis, it is the same exact word. So if anyone asks you if you're charismatic today, feel free to say yes. First Corinthians chapter 12. We can work through that later. Carry on, guys. Been a long week. You haven't showered. Um, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, it's a word for non-Christians, but I like the sound of it. We should use it more. You used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. 
Therefore, I want you to know that, that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. Uh, there are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. And to another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of those tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as the Spirit wills, as He wills. As you look at this text, I'll give you a breakdown. 12 verses 1 through 3, we see our confession of Christ is a gift and that is good. Then 12, 4 through 6, we see the gifts are given because God is good. Third, we see the gifts are present for the community's good. Finally, we see in verse 11, God gives, God gives believers gifts and asks, are you doing good with what he's given you? One more time for those in the back. Our confession of Christ is a gift and that is good. Secondly, the gifts are given because God is good. Thirdly, the gifts are present for the community's good. Finally, God gives believers gifts and asks, Are you doing good? This is not an exhaustive list that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 of the spiritual gifts. You, you get a, a, an overview of some. Let me give you the places in the scripture, if you need those, where you can find the spiritual gifts. Uh, in Romans 12, verse 6 through 8, you see these gifts. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, and mercy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, you see the gift of the apostleship, of, prophet, of being a prophet, teachers, miracles, kinds of healing, help, administration, tongues. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, you see the apostle gift yet again, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 8 through 10, which we get to dip into today a little bit, you get the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith. Word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing and miracles. Prophecy, distinguishing between, spirit, between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, we, we see the idea of whoever speaks covering multiple gifts. We also see whoever renders service covering several gifts. Gifts and the idea of spiritual gifts are a big part of what we see in the Scripture. And it is a way that God is building up the church. However... If we are not careful, we can lose our focus of the give, on the giver of the gifts for the sake of a controversial conversation piece. And if that is what takes place for us, then we are what the Bible calls puffed up. Because we believe that our opinion is greater than what we're actually seeing in Scripture. So just know, in a room like this, there, however many of you there happen to be today, there is great diversity in the way that you see the spiritual gifts. 
And we can work through those. And we can think through those. And we can still be a body of believers who get together every Sunday morning in this room as part of the family of God and have a diversity of opinions in regard to these things. We can work them out. There are things that we can teach you as a church. There are certain things that we hold to as followers of Jesus at Grace Bible, the leadership here that we want to make sure that we are conveying. But that does not mean that you are disqualified because you believe a tad differently than I do about these gifts. Again, though, verse 1. Now let's say concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want any of you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In this, we see that our confession of Christ is a gift from God, and it is good. Before we can ever understand what our spiritual gift or our spiritual gift set is, we have to be people who know who God is through the death and resurrection of the person of Jesus. That is what we share in common. It is the connective tissue of everything that we understand in regard to the gifts of God. And when we look at the idea of spiritual gifts, we have to realize that our spiritual experience should never move you or me beyond Christ crucified and resurrected. Because that is where we stand together. That is the dividing line. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Do you believe that God has raised Him from the dead? If this seems repetitive, it should be because it should be repeated regularly from places like this. It is what brings us together and forms a body that we call the church. The passage says here, the, next time, the, the, the passage tells us that you were pagans. Those who did not know Jesus. He's talking about three various groups of people in this place. He's talking about those who are the pagans, those who do not follow after Jesus. You then got the Jews who do not believe in Jesus, and finally the Christians. Paul is addressing all three in these first three verses. And then he begins to talk about the idolatry present in the city of Corinth. So you may be in a place right now where you were thinking to yourself, I cannot relate to having idols. I do not have any idols. I've never met Zeus or Aphrodite or whomever, whatever your God of choice happens to be. These may be people who are in Marvel and DC movies more than they are things that you know, thinking that you don't have idols. To that, I would say, the next time you think you don't have an idol, I need you to look at your schedule and look in your back seat of, of your car. Because your idols are there. And they are driving you around, and they are taking you places, and they are asking you to do things, and they are showing you what you should do, and you have decided that you would lay your entire lives down for them. We have idols. We have idols in our pocket that we pull out when we cannot leave YouTube. We have idols all around us. We have things that are driving our lives. Things that are causing us to focus certain places. And for us as followers of Jesus, we are to look at this passage in light of the fact that idolatry is a drastic possibility for us. The reason that you're able to be in tune with spiritual things is because... Those spiritual things are to keep you loyal to the person of Jesus.
That's why we had Joshua last week and, and Magnolia last week, Noli, my daughter, confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and to say that they believed in their heart that God had raised Him from the dead. The primary gift that we have as Christian people is the person of Jesus. Before you can understand any other thing about gifts, you have to know that. Who is Jesus? Have you received the gift of salvation that is offered from Christ Jesus? Secondly, because of that, we can see that there are other gifts that are given to us because God is good. So we have this initial gift, and on top of that, there is a possibility for other gifts. So my kids introduced me to something the other day that their grandmother made up, and you may not know the phrase, but you will from now on. Uh, they have, they love at Christmas time to get what's called a piggyback present. And I didn't know what that was until I sat down and, and listened to them and had them explain it to me. And then I texted Hope to make sure that I was not saying something crazy this morning. And here's the thing that Mims does. That's what we call her, Mims. Uh, she will have a present and then she will have a smaller present that she ties to that present. It's a piggyback present. Anybody ever seen anything like this? Maybe you don't do gifts at your house. That's okay. It's a smaller present attached to a larger present. Now, she does this, so, and these things are usually connected in some way. When we look at the spiritual gifts, we can understand them like that. There are different gifts that, everyone, that are present, but the same spirit. There's a unifying thing that takes place there. So the spiritual gifts that I read about earlier are given to believers when we know Jesus Christ as Lord. So we look at the text and we see right here in verses 4, 5, and 6, there's yet another breakdown. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but there's the same Lord, that's Jesus. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. Paul is pointing us yet again to the idea of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. He is not doing a deep dive. You know what a deep dive is. You can do deep dives. If you've ever been on the internet, you've done a deep dive. When you're sitting there, you think, I'm going to look at this for two minutes, and then 47 minutes later, you still don't understand what just happened. I watched uh, uh, the movie Tenant the other day. I still don't... I will never understand what happened in that movie. Other than I ate too much popcorn and too many M&Ms. That's all I know. But you do deep dives to understand things. Paul right here gives us a synopsis phrase to let you know the importance of the Trinity to Christian thought. And that is, again, what we've talked about each week. That our salvation is an interdependent concept. Resting in the hand of a triune God. Authorized by the Father. Accomplished by the Son. Applied by the Spirit. With that said... We are not people who are given gifts because we are good. But because God is good. You weren't good enough for God to give you the gift of hospitality. You, you weren't kind enough for God to give you the gift of giving. God didn't look at you and say, Oh, mommy, if I could just get that one to, on my side, I would be more merciful. If you read this passage... Just read 1 Corinthians 12 in isolation. You may think that we've got this merit-based system. You would think that the church at Corinth was this fantastic place. That they had their junk together. And they were the picture of a healthy church. The church 
in Corinth is insane. Corinth is the insanity of a Netflix drama. But by season three, you know this about any TV show. The villains have gotten bigger. The, the problems are more insurmountable. They're figuring out more places to hide the bodies. Like This is what takes place when we watch television. In the church of Corinth, here's what we have taking place at this point in history. You have a man who is sleeping with his stepmother. You have out-of-control sexual sin. On top of that, you have cliques. Some say, I'm going with Paul. I'm going with uh, Barnabas. I'm going with this guy. I'm going with that guy. It would be as if some of you showed up every Sunday and said, you know what? I'm on Jared's side. I'm going to walk out when Chad preaches. Or I'm on Chad's side. I'm going to walk in when Jared's done. It, It would be this type of mentality. That's what's taking place in the church at Corinth. On top of that, there's conflict. They are suing one another in public without having private conversations. As far as communion goes, you've heard of that, where you take the Lord's Supper. In the Bible, that was not just something that you did where you walked to a table and grabbed some crackers off of the table and and did your thing. In the Bible, communion is a meal that you would sit down at together. And there were some, the rich more often than not, who were getting plastered at communion. That because this was a meal where the poor would eat, it may be their one meal of two to three days, the rich were jumping in front of the poor and they were filling up their bellies, emptying the table before the poor were ever allowed to eat. In the church at Corinth, there are marriage problems, there are singleness problems. The church at Corinth is a problem. You would think that God was giving good gifts, if, if God were giving good gifts based on meritocracy, you would realize the church of Corinth is the epitome of the phrase hot mess. Corinth is in fuego. The floor was lava in Corinth. And if they were getting gifts for this, they would get coal and switches in a prison sentence. Corinth was a terrible place. But right here, we get one of the primary teachings on spiritual gifts. That God gives gifts not based on the goodness of His people, but based on the goodness of God alone. And these gifts were given with an intent to advance the church, to advance the mission of God in the middle of where they were. And God is saying to them, I'm for you. I'm for you, so let's get our junk together and straighten out our lives and move in a direction that honors me. Move in a direction that is directing others who come into contact with you to me. Because right now you're living for you. And how many of us right now who are wondering as to what our gifts are, we don't realize or acknowledge them because they are dormant because we have made our lives so much about ourselves. The gifts are given, we see in 12, 7 through 10, so that the church could work together for the community's good. If you are a believer in Jesus, He has gifted you. He has gifted you for the church, and He has gifted you for advancement of the mission of the church in the community that surrounds you. Charles Spurgeon heard of him. We like him around here. You like wear t-shirts with Spurgeon, and you gift him all the time. Can you give something? That's a thing, right? The the spiritual gifts of the church are for the good of the rebels as well as for the building up of those who are reconciled. Your God-given spiritual gifts are for the lost people you come in contact with as well as the church that you interact with. Russell Moore, who is a former professor at Southern Seminary, 
he says in, in the New Testament, we don't find our gifts through self-examination or introspection and, and then find ways to express it. Instead, we're called to love one another, serve one another, help one another. And in so doing, we see how God has equipped us to do so. The gifts matter. So, so if you're going to look this up and, and really wrestle with what's taking place here, you can see a breakdown of the gifts. Because there's a very, there are various descriptions of them in the scripture. But we are told ultimately in the way that we use our gifts, they are so that we can pursue the giver of said gifts. We would use these gifts to pursue the giver. Whether they are one of two, either natural or supernatural, these gifts are given so that the recipient could pursue the person of God and the person of Jesus. We see that the gifts are broken into that category though. Natural ones, supernatural ones. We'll look at those in just a few moments. We also see that there are gifts that are divided in three ways. Wisdom, words, and works. That there are gifts of wisdom, there are gifts of words, there are gifts of actual doing things. But one pastor friend of mine says it this way, that there are ministry gifts that are given. And those ministry gifts are given to build up. Here are the examples of those from that list that I read earlier. You have the idea of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teacher. You also have the motivational gifts that lift up. Motivational gifts that God gives His people. No one has all of the gifts, but you've got some. Giving, encouragement, service, help, mercy, administration. Then there are the miraculous gifts. The ones that we like to fuss and fight about. Uh, wisdom and knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discernment, tongues and interpretation. It, as I said earlier, when we fight about the gifts, none of you are fighting as to whether or not the gift of administration has ceased. The fights that we have about the gifts are about things that are supernatural. Things that don't make sense in our minds. And let me be as clear as I can. There are really smart people who are writing books and teaching classes and sitting in this room who believe that the miraculous gifts of the Bible have ceased. There are also really smart people writing books and teaching classes and sitting in this room who believe that the miraculous gifts continue. And if you are choosing to say that your view is the end-all, be-all as to your understanding of how the gifts work in your life, you are choosing to be God regardless of what your doctrine happens to be. We are bound together to other believers to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And there are some who will disagree with you. Are they teaching that truth? Are they clinging to that truth? Are they demonstrating that truth? We want to hold to that. Because God has given these various gifts for the advancement of His kingdom. God has given these gifts so that His people can display His purpose and His power to the world that they come in contact with. How are you interacting with the lost world around you? I'm not asking what we know about what we think about whatever gift or whatever soundbite we've listened to this week. How are you as a follower of Jesus interacting with lost people around you? Have you been given the gift of evangelism that is laying dormant in you because you are not choosing to have God-honoring conversations that point someone to the hope that they have in Jesus? Are, are we people who are not using the gifts that God has given us for administration or any of these other things? Because we've chosen to make ourselves the central idol in our lives. 
God gives His people gifts. And He encourages us to use those for His kingdom advancement. Because God gives believers gifts finally. We see in chapter 12 verse 11. And He asks us, are you doing good with what I've given you? Are you doing good with what I've given you? Rather than ask, Gordon Fee, he is a theologian who comes from a different strain of thought than our church historically does. He is a Pentecostal theologian who abhors the word faith movement that many of us are so familiar with. But he asked this question of believers. He asked it of me, and I'm going to ask it of you. He asked it of all of us. Rather than ask how the Spirit shows Himself, the church itself should be asking how it shows itself and, and its witness to be Spirit-driven. Are we living as a Spirit-driven church of God in this community? Hoping and praying that others would come to know Christ and that we would see actual hope displayed because of who Jesus is in the world in which God has called us to. Because we're called to that. But ultimately, if we do not see that, we are ignoring the greatness of the gift that God has given us in Jesus. And we are ignoring that what it unifies us as believers is not that we have a, the same doctrine, but that we have the same love. Paul will actually go there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when he talks about these various gifts that are present in the church at Corinth that are being misused. He says this, If I speak human or angelic tongues, but I do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, that sounds good. And if I have all faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. But here's the thing, Paul says, if I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Right here, I'm reading a passage we read at weddings. It's fine for weddings. But it is not limited to weddings. Here's the thing, because love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not boastful. Love, it's not, it's not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not irritable. And love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Because friends, love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. God has gifted you. If you have questions about any of this, we have resources to help you to see and understand your spiritual gift. Feel free to touch base with us personally through the Connect page that we give you every week. But here's the thing. Most of you text me. If you text me, we will do our best to get you a resource to help you establish and see your spiritual gift. But we want you to use those for the advancement of Christ's kingdom. You don't just want to know those to know them. You want to know what they are to use them. Using the gifts that God has given us to make the name of Jesus more and more famous to the ends of the earth. I love you guys. Thanks so much. I want to pray for us today. We're going to sing together. Feel free to bow your heads.
Jesus, I do. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the giftings that you've given them. Lord, I thank you for those who know you. Lord, if there are any here who do not have a relationship with you, I, I do pray that they will hear what we read in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. That the gift that we have to have is Jesus before any of the rest of this can matter to us. You may have given us abilities, but they, they're not abilities used for your glory uh, apart from Jesus. So let us see the importance of Jesus to the Christian life. Lord, in this room, there, there are some who you've gifted so much. You, you've just provided us with a unique set of people who gather together here every week. And Lord, let us not miss the opportunity that we have to speak the truth of who you are for any reason. But let us see what you've given us. And why you've given it. God, show us your way. Show us the things that you would have us to be. And let us be grateful for that. If you need me, I'm in the back right-hand corner of the room.